Hey, what's up, podcast? It's Jeff. Just want to jump in here. This is a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk. This is actually going to be a the audio uh, recording from a Facebook Live that our team is doing every single day, Monday through Friday um, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time in our Facebook private group. You can get in that group at teachbettergroup.com or uh, go on to Facebook and just search Teach Better Team. You'll see our page and then you'll see the group get in there. So here we go, a special bonus episode of Teach Better Talk pulled from one of our Facebook Live videos in our private group at teachbettergroup.com. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. It is Becky from the Teach Better team. Happy to be here on a Thursday morning with you guys. Last day of April. Woohoo! And I am here with Jared Hamilton. And if you remember, Jared and I did a mastery chat together. It seems like it was years ago at this point, Jared, doesn't it? It does. It was only a few, really only a few months ago, if I you know. think about it. I know. But, well, obviously, so much has transpired in that short amount of time. Um, so uh, for those of you that don't know me, I, again, I'm Becky Thaw. I'm a member of the Teach Better team. And Jared, why don't you tell everybody, you're coming to us today from Canada, uh, our yeah. friends in the North, why don't you tell us a little about what you do? So um, Jared Hamilton, I've been a teacher for over 10 years. I'm currently working up in Northern British Columbia, Canada on the West Coast. So uh, 8 a.m. your time, 5 a.m. my time. If you actually look out the window, you can notice the sun is slowly coming up in the background. Um, I've been privileged to be able to work in lots of different environments with lots of different uh, students and teachers mm -hmm. on various ideas in education for teaching mathematics and technology. Um, and that's how you and I kind of connected was because I know we had been part of a lot of the same Twitter chats. And, mm -hmm. you know, we kept seeing each other's name pop up and, and things like that. And uh, that's how we kind of connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something that I was introduced to about a year and a half ago as a form of sort of just kind of advertising what we were doing in our district to the greater community, but then also using it as a form of professional development. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's taken off since then. I know you're following. You have quite a few followers now yourself. Um, which is great because I love to watch the things that you post, especially now that we're all working remotely and, and uh, you are uh, very similar to me in that you try to tie in a lot of real life math examples, you know, from your day to day life because you have three children at home and so do I. And so it's, it's easy to kind of, you know, do a little bit of math around the house. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's just that idea that, you know, we've talked about before, sometimes how having your own children and engaging in their learning can be such an amazing gateway to thinking about the lessons that you decide to do with your own students. A hundred percent. I have gotten so many good ideas and I do give my children's teachers credit, <laughs> but I've gotten so many good ideas from how they have gone about things or, you know, different ways that they have organized some of the online work. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a good idea. I think I'm going to try that next week. So, <laughs> Jared, what is the situation in your district in terms of, obviously, you're, you're all remote learning in, in Canada mm -hmm. as well. Um, but what is the situation? Are you are you out for the rest of the year at this point? Is it still up in the air? I think it's still up in the air right now. I mean, I think, like, everyone like myself personally speaking for myself i mean i'm working from home supporting my family um and the teachers and students that i work with within my career um a lot of the things that i'm doing right now i'm trying to be as creative and i would think open as possible 
with the ideas that I'm trying, you know, we have students who are heavily integrated into technology, maybe some who aren't, but yep. also just trying to think about it, personal interests and passions. You know, like yeah. we, we know we have students, like they have the iPads and we can give them all these cool apps, but that's not who they are. So yeah. now kind of thinking creatively, okay, so how do I give you an activity that's maybe a little more hands-on or deals with something that's a little less technology, but that you can yeah. still do in this environment? Yes. Are you doing any kind of, do you get to do live videos with your students? Do you pre-record yourself? How do you go about kind of getting your message out there? Um, right now, when I've worked with students, um, I've worked on like, you know, live broadcasts, doing it in the moment. Um, we've had some sessions where I've been doing some sketch noting with students. So okay. taking a, an opportunity to say, okay, I just want to have some fun. And like, we're going to do a number talk together today. So I'm going to sit down and put a number in the center of the paper. You guys can follow along with my number or choose your own. And I just want to fill this paper with everything we know about this number. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's a great idea. Uh, we have a couple of people who are joining in already this morning. Brianne, good morning. Alex, good mor Alex says good morning or good evening. <laughs> I guess. I guess for you, Jared, because it is it is a little early for you. Um, we have Holly Stewart is here and Andrea. So good morning to all of you. Uh, yeah, it's always fun when I get to chat with another math teacher. I love chatting with all educators, but it's always fun when you can, uh, you know, geek out a little bit talking about math and different ways to integrate math into, uh, especially with, with remote learning. Um, what I have actually been doing, and I know you and I have gone back and forth talking about the need to really keep the students engaged mm -hmm. and to keep them participating. So uh, again, an idea that I can't take credit for, but that I adopted was a teacher in uh, my, so I work next to the district that I live in. So my kids mm -hmm. are in, you know, in our, our, my district where we live, and then I teach the next district over. So we do share a lot of, of different ideas. And one of the teachers in um, my kids' school district, um, she's not one of their teachers, but she's in the district. She put together uh, like a choice board for math outside. And then she put together another one for math around the house and said, you know, here's some ideas you could adopt this for any grade level. And so once a week, that's what I'm doing. And it's really weather dependent. So on days, and we've actually been not having some great weather here in New Jersey um, the past two weeks really have not been great. They've been mostly rainy and, and cool. But there have been a couple of days where it's been sunny and 65, and uh, I said, get outside and do some math outside. And so I have a choice board, and I tailored it definitely to things that I wanted to focus on. Um, so, you know, whether it's geometry or, you know, even like drawing a coordinate grid out of chalk uh, on your driveway or on your sidewalk, uh, we live in a pretty suburban area. So we're lucky that, you know, kids can, can get outside and do that. Um, you know, not all all children obviously have that uh, privilege as well. But so that's what, um, you know, and the kids really like it. And then I have them post what they did on Seesaw. So they either take a picture or they take a video. Um, and so I tried that and then I did, that was last week. And then this week I did math around the house. So it was similar in that, you know, I said, you know, find out the volume of your refrigerator, take the measurements and stuff like that. So they actually, they really, they really do respond to activities like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you're finding the same thing. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, you think about like some of the activities you were talking about outdoors. Um, we did a shape swap with my daughter. We made a tally chart. You know, we we talked about even like some things that she wasn't learning, you know, like uh, adding an extra column. I usually like to call it count so that you actually count up your tallies and give like a quick number just because it's easier to see. Um, but just like, I, I couldn't believe how hard it was for us to go out and find a pentagon or a hexagon, yeah. you know, like these were on the list, yeah. like, oh, you'll be able to find them around town. I'm like, okay, well, we went out and did close to 6,000 steps before we actually <laughs> were finding them on like, you know, light pole space, yeah. um, uh, painting rocks, you know, when trying to make that into a scavenger hunt, like we were uh, taking rocks and painting dice numbers onto them and then just kind of dropping one, two, three, four, five, six. This is how we did them. If you can find them. You know, like make a sheet of paper and kind of roughly draw the area. Yeah. And then see if you can guess what our path was, how we walked from one to two to three to four to five to six. Okay. Uh, but just, you know, fun and exciting things like that where um, I really appreciated that one that we did because it's different. Like you don't know my exact path. You know, I crossed these points. But yep. think how different every student could draw. Like, well, I think you walk this way. No, you walk this way. And, and I'm kind of smiling like, what if I cut through that person's backyard? And the kids are looking yeah. like, well, did you? And I'm like, no, I didn't. There's no way I would have got over that fence. But you, know, you don't know that I did that without me right. telling you that. Right, right. You can even do it. You know, I mean, I, I took my daughter to a grocery store. You know, I've been obviously limiting as, as much as I can mm. going out. But I did um, take her to the store yesterday. And just the just what you can do, you're right, in terms of like pathways and things. Because now in a lot of the stores, at least here, they have arrows. So you have to follow mm -hmm. a certain path around the store to try to limit, you know, how many people are in an aisle and what direction people are going off the wall, uh, bouncing into each other. And, you know, of course, I'm laughing because I'm trying to do like little lessons in the store and she's yelling at me because at one point, you know, the arrow is pointing one way and I just turned my cart around because I missed getting something because you're going the wrong way as if, you know, I was going to be like arrested in the middle of the grocery store. <laughs> Having my cart facing the wrong door, like I was going down a one-way street. <laughs> There's so much going on right now, and I feel like I'm trying to catch up with the information. But I was at one of our grocery stores, and there was a student like, Mr. Hamilton, you're not following the arrows. And I'm like, what arrows? Like, well, the ones on the floor, Mr. Hamilton. And, of course, I'm a relatively tall man, six foot three. So, I mean, I'm used to – you think I'd be used to looking down, but, you know, it just doesn't seem like a natural thing. I'm looking down at the arrows, and I'm, like, thinking in my mind – Okay, how long have those have been there? And I wonder how many people, like I've been going up and down the aisles, not following the rules, and they've been kind of politely looking at me like, like what is he doing? Up. He's yeah. not social distancing. And exactly. Exactly. We have a few other people that have joined us. So Megan, good morning. And Tammy, uh, Lydia, Adam, good morning, Adam Katos. Um, Andrew says, I love choice boards. I put one together for when... Uh, we're in limbo time. We were off. Yeah. Before remote learning technically happens. Uh, and Tammy chimed in and said that, that she did too. Um, now it's just our activity teachers who are making choice boards and we link to those. Oh, that's good. So you have somebody doing, doing them um, for you. I like the ability to change those up too. So if I get a good idea, if I get a brainstorm, um, you know, maybe it's in the grocery store. I can go and kind of add that to the choice board as an as an option. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, Alex, it's cemeteries are great places to do a shape hunt. Hmm. Never really thought about that. That is an interesting take, Alex. Um, hmm. I like that idea. Yeah, when you think about it, I guess you really could. 
within within you know the uh, the stones themselves, there's a lot of different shapes. Now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. So, Jared, um, tell us a little bit about your district. Did they start remote learning? Did you? you I, I can't remember the time frame. I know you and I were corresponding at this point, but you know, we went into lockdown in terms of the schools closing for remote learning. It was uh, March 13th, Friday, March 13th. Friday the 13th, we got the word, and we were done um, and started remote learning right away on March 16th. How did it work time-wise for you guys? Um, I found for us, we we finished our spring break close to the end of March. Um, okay. So once we came back, we were getting geared up for remote learning, and we were putting the procedures in the place to get our students and families set up for it. So were you in school up until March, uh, the end of March? <laughs> Yeah, I think March 13th would have actually been our last day before we, oh, um, it would have been, yes, that's the day before Pi Day. Um, that would have yeah. been our last day before we went on spring break. Yeah, you're right, because Pi Day, you know, because you can appreciate that as a math teacher as well, we got a little gypped with Pi Day. First of all, it was on a Saturday, so that's always, you know, you still try to do activities. Mm -hmm. But then I remember we had a half day that Friday before because they were trying to give teachers time to plan in anticipation of remote learning. And so all of my, like I did a couple of pie day of activities, but for the most part, you, even my pie day kind of went out the window. So it was uh, uh, it's definitely a challenge. Um, can you talk about some, I know you've done a lot of projects or you're looking into a lot of projects that tie in art integration. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and how you work that? Yeah. I mean, I fundamentally, when I think about an educational lesson that I like to do with students, I always look kind of that idea if we talk about discourse, just how do you think of a friendly activity that's going to get them in and get them participating? You know, it's the, kind of that key point. Participation is our gateway into learning. Yeah. So as long as we can get that buy-in at the beginning, you know, we can start saying, okay, where's your access point? Where are you going to start with this lesson? And then how is that going to look scaffolded from there so that you yeah. can progress and you can personalize and differentiate. I find arts integration is an amazing way to do things like that. There's so many different things we can do. Um, we can get students to be exploring like probability art with colors. We can get students to start drawing and mapping things out. Sketchnoting, I noticed this in the chat here, so I'm gonna talk about that as one of my favorite ones too, because yeah. it's a really nice way that I find even just to do a number talk with the students. So like I did a, a sketchnote number talk with students a few weeks ago where it was an elementary group and I just put the number 12 in the center of the paper. And I said, well, what do we know about 12? And, you know, kids were talking about their 10 frames and tally marks. And well, you see this number on a clock that I can't read, one girl said. And I'm kind of Aww. pausing like, oh, you mean an analog clock? She goes, yeah, I don't know how to tell time on those things with the hands. Um, so you're able to like draw those out and make all these connections or a dozen donuts. Um, um, interesting enough, none of the kids said a dozen eggs. But, wow. you know, we, we start doing equations, too. But then you start getting yeah. to have some fun with that. We're like, okay, well, we know 5 plus 7. But, guys, what are we doing right now? And the student's like, well, we're doing subtraction. Okay. And what type of numbers are you doing in subtraction? Well, my teacher has me working in the hundreds. Okay, so I want numbers in the hundreds where we can subtract and we can get the answer of 12. And, and it's cute because you see the kids right away stick to the safety. 112, take away 100 is 12. Yeah. <laughs> right, is right, awesome, right. guys. But then we get to talk about other things like grouping and regrouping. So I'm going to do one where I have to borrow and then get the kids to think, are these the same type of subtraction problems or is, are they different? Like yeah. if I could do 112 takeaway on 100, do you know that I can do the one where I had to borrow? Or guess what? Now I'm borrowing 
are you confident that I could do this one here? And getting the kids to think about, well, if you know how to borrow, you should be able to do any type of subtraction problem. And that's the type I want you guys doing now for your equations on our sketch noting. It's really more about those critical thinking skills, developing those critical Mm -hmm. thinking skills, which, you know, a lot of times, and I've talked about this over the past several weeks in different forums, but, you know, normally this time of year, I am getting ready to go into testing. And we do testing late because we get out of school late. We get out in late June. We don't start till after Labor Day here uh, in, the, in my district in the U.S. And mm-hmm. so um, we get out late. We start late. We get out late. Uh, so we don't really do our testing until, well, we'd be gearing up for it. It would really be probably the second, third, into the third week of May. And so this normally is crunch time for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm stressed and I'm trying to get the kids ready. And so, you know, a lot of these things that we're talking about, developing critical thinking skills, um, you you know, you kind of, I don't want to say you put them on hold because you can't put them on hold, but they're definitely not as much of a focus. You're not able to dedicate as much time as you can now and to even some of the more fun activities. So for me, while, you know, remote learning definitely has its challenges, it's also had some positives like that, that I've been able to do things that normally I would never be able to do this time of year. Well, and that's what I think is the exciting thing when we try some of these. Like one of the reasons I started looking at arts integration was I was really getting excited about some of these notions of the student-centered classroom. And the particular group that I was working with at the time, this is where they were at. Like these, these students I worked with, math wasn't their passion. Um, but like when you started to learn a little more about them, like, okay, well, all these kids in this class I had are in drama. All these kids are doing music. All these kids are showing up to an independent dance class and then kind of learning a little more about art and math. I can use this to my advantage. So now if I can get students to, you know, I need you, you like writing songs. You love to rap. You need to rap about the quadratic formula for me. (laughs) So you got to take all this information you have here and you got to build it into the beat. And I think it's similar to what you were saying is. What I really appreciate about this was is going the student-centered classroom route is, you know, okay, so we have our content on this side, but then, you know, we're all talking as teachers. There's these competencies for learning too. Like, how are you communicating? How are you collaborating? What's your problem solving like? Um, You know what? Let's talk about your social-emotional learning. Like, why is this important to you? Like, why does this bring you joy? Or when you get into a situation and it doesn't, how do you persevere? What's what's your resolution? putting that ownership on the kids and saying, we have this wonderful way to learn, but guess what? You're in charge of it. This is your art. I'm not telling you the art assignment. You have, I can give you inspiration and ideas, but you need to personalize this and make this about you. And like seeing like you, it's almost like uh, you can look inside their head and you see the gears churning immediately as these ideas are coming in and like, you know, they have what they're thinking and the mouth wants to say it, but the brain is moving so fast for you. Like, okay, you're going to stop for a second. And think about everything you're doing, and then you're going to tell me what you don't, what you want to do. Right, right. We'll get to some of the. I want to hear what some of the projects are that people have, uh, that some of your students have done for you. Uh, and I want to say good morning to Jeff Kaplan and Joe Gonzalez. Um, Holly says, I really like the idea of doing sketch noting. I teach science, and I could put one of our terms in the middle of a paper and have my students fill the page with words, drawings, diagrams, etc. I'm definitely going to do this. Oh, good. See, that's the whole purpose of the daily drop-ins is to get a good, you know, generate ideas and inspire the people. You know, and I think I speak for not just myself, but I think all, like you know, um, uh, all teachers is 
the thing that brings me the most joy is, you know, sometimes we do these projects with kids, but then we kind of realize in our brain it was a one-off. Like the kid did, yeah. they had fun. They're not doing it anymore. Like that, that to me is the most joyous thing when I started doing sketch noting with kids and math. And then I have a social studies teacher come up and say, so you're teaching my kids how to doodle their notes, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's that mean? Like, well, he's sketchnoting. He, we were talking about this event in Canada and he was showing me how to draw it out and how you can represent with images and words. And, you know, like, he's like, uh, I made a mistake here. So I crossed it out. And then I drew like a character saying, oh, I, that was not correct. It should have been this. And he was like building it into his storyboard. And like, that's what gets me excited where you think, I taught you a skill to help you access learning and you're actually using it. It's not because I'm telling you to use it. You've incorporated into your daily toolkit of how you want to access information. Yeah, those are definitely those victories, especially now that we're as educators looking for, uh, because, you know, I've been um, a part of, you know, several Twitter discussions and, you know, a big thing that teachers are talking about now is how it is very difficult to know in terms of any kind of formative assessment, are you really reaching these kids? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and so when you see things like that in action, uh, you know that you are, even if they're not corresponding with you on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, when you see that pop up somewhere, or, you know, sometimes I'll just randomly get uh, an email from a student saying, hey, you know, I was outside and I noticed this, you know, these shapes, you know, I, I did a, you know, shapes around your house and you know, it's just kind of funny to see even the objects that they are, you know, saying, you know, oh, this is a cylinder and it's things. And I'm like, wow, I would have never thought it was somebody actually held up, a, you know, a thing of Lysol wipes. <laughs> Here's a cylinder. And I'm like, that's a very popular cylinder right now. <laughs> so you, you should hang on to that one. <laughs> you know, I think one of my biggest sort of what do you notice? What do you wonder talks came from me one day taking a picture of my coffee cup and the kids say you have a cylinder. And I'm like, but do I? Yeah. Like this is, this is my, my coffee cup that I got from McDonald's. Look at mm -hmm. the small circle down here and look at the top circle up here. They're different sizes. They're like, yeah, they are. Well, what is that? And of course, you know, we did some research on the shape. Um, it's got different names. Um, we refer to it as a fulcrum um, when I was in England, when I first did it. And I said, why? And the kids are like, what? I'm like, why does it look that way? Because mm -hmm. when you think of storage and shipping and logistics, it'd be so much simpler to have a perfect cylinder. Yeah. So why is it wider at the top? And honestly, like these kids talked for over 15 minutes and it was kind of interesting because the most common idea they had was people dropping their coughs, burning themselves with their coffee, lawsuit, lawsuit, <laughs> lawsuit. And then kids were making comments like, do you think that's actually like, did it switch? Like if we went back in time, would we find that cups were perfect cylinders? And then there was a lawsuit issue and that's why everyone started to change them. And I'm like, I honestly have no idea. But, you know, for the life of us, we spent time and we couldn't find any information on this in Google that would lead either way. Oh, that's funny. But, but hey, I mean, it was a good, you know, like lesson learned, even if you didn't find all the information you wanted. I mean, there's a lot of like lessons that are coming out of that. You know what I was thinking when you were talking about doing your uh, sketch noting with the younger uh, students, I can envision because my daughter is in second grade. I know you said you have a, a daughter in a, in a first, second uh, blended learning class. And I listen to some of the live video uh, chats that she does with her teachers and all I think is bless these teachers of these younger kids because <laughs> I have to say I don't know if I could do it I mean I, I enjoy having the older set of kids because of the conversations you can have this and it's it's really entertaining uh, to hear my daughter but I, all I could envision was her going up to her room my own daughter 
and bringing you 12 of her stuffed animals. Like she'd be like and introducing you to each one. So I'm sure you get a lot of that too. Well, I mean, there's benefits on both ways, I find. I mean, one of the reasons this is going to tie into something um, maybe in the future as a lead that I love with the idea of using arts integration or creativity is, you know, you come into a classroom and you recognize the students you're looking, uh, we're looking at manipulatives. And some of the kids, they're kind of responding to them. They're not. Um, but then you kind of think there's kids who are really using them, but they know when they go home, they're not going to have these anymore unless we can make a kit for them. And yeah. then again, we only have so much. I, I don't know what teachers are in. I'm speaking from my own personal experience. You know, I never had enough manipulatives to give to each student. Um, there were sometimes I didn't even have them. And yeah. that's where I started looking at, okay, well, we're doing art and I've got these big boxes of Fruit Loops and I'm like, done. Okay, so we're doing yeah. our manipulatives today. And I just started dumping Fruit Loops in front of my students. One of my activity was, is I put the students in a group of six and I said, here's my box of Fruit Loops. Tell me how many Fruit Loops are in the box. And we just dumped it out and getting the kids to organize. And well, we're trying to count them. Well, what's a nice way to count? Well, we're doing 10 frames. Well, can we count by fives? Yes, you can. But I want to count by tens. Count by tens. No, I want to count by 25s. I learned about quarters and like four quarters and dollars. Like, this is amazing. You guys do it how you want. But then we were able to sort of come back after doing this um, and say, you know what? Okay, this is really good because I had a cheap, readily usable resource. Mm -hmm. I noticed my kids were snacking as they were working. And of course, I think we're all in a situation as a teacher where, you know, we don't know the life that our kids are having always. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of was thinking about that. A teacher said to me, you know, you probably have some kids who they're not eating as much as these other kids. And like for them to have that option, think like I can just eat while I'm working and like no one will care. I'm like, well, you have to count what you eat. I mean, that's the only restriction I gave. So if you eat 100 Fruit Loops, you have to add that to the end. Yeah. Um, but then again, that built into our equations. And then it brought us back to the math art where the kids were saying, all the Fruit Loops are different colors. We have five or six colors. And I'm like, do you think we could arrange these Fruit Loops like in our arrays and we can make a picture? And just seeing like the light bulbs going off in students' heads where students were thinking of making like just, I, I can do a letter or I made a number. This one little girl made this amazing flower, which I kept looking at thinking, I don't know how you did this because I'm trying to think of all the storyboarding and planning I would have did with a sheet of graph paper right, to get that right. shape. And she yeah. was like, this girl is seven years old and she's just building it and saying, there it is. Wow. And then of course, now the glitter glue and everything comes out as we start putting it on our <laughs> construction paper. And it was like, this activity that I got to do with these students, you know, took up the whole morning. And I'm thinking we were using our communication skills. We were collaborating. We were doing number talks. Um, the students were justifying their reasoning for why they were doing it this way. They were doing personal choice. They made a wonderful art project and they were having fun the whole time. Like students were shocked when I said the morning's done. What? What do you mean the wow. morning's done? It's wow. recess time. No, no, no. The morning is done. Like we're finished. Go have lunch and we're getting ready for the afternoon. Well, and what's neat about that is you are inspiring them as much as they are inspiring you and giving you a springboard into even more ideas. So that's what's that's what's neat. I mean, we always say that it's you know, even as teachers, you learn from your students, you know, every day, even in a remote learning environment. So you know, and, and speaking of inspiration, so we do this daily drop in. If you are listening to us. Uh, whether it's on YouTube or you're watching a replay, we are live in our Teach Better Team Facebook group, private Facebook group. So if you're not in that, you need to join uh, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Central Time. 
8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or if you're in Canada, parts of Canada even earlier. <laughs> uh, but we'd love to have you. I know some people are having trouble sleeping. I'm one of them. So if you're up early and you want to join us and join in part of the discussion, that's how you can be part of the discussion is if you uh, join us live. So let's see. We also have Stacy here. Good morning, Stacy. Um, Holly says, I love open-ended questions and conversations you're having with your students. Yeah, I do too. I think this is great. It's actually given me a few ideas uh, of things that I might want to do for, you know, just a class meeting, just to have fun with some, with some math concepts. Uh, the best inquiries are the ones we can't Google. Wow, that's a quote, Alex. I like that. Uh, hello, Shannon. That's a new hashtag for Twitter. Yeah, I, do. I really do. Yeah, you should, uh, you know, Alex, you need to like copyright that or something and <laughs> start, start pasting that around. Too, too late. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Jared, I know that you have been you have been posting different things. So if you're not following Jared on on Twitter, uh, you should definitely follow him on Twitter because he posts a lot of the great things that he is doing. Jared, what is your uh, Twitter handle? Um, my Twitter handle is at Mr. Um, make Math Sense. Yes. And uh, and what I love is that your wife is Mrs. Uh, make Math Sense, right? Yes, we, we, we do the whole um, husband and wife duo when we yeah, look at some of the lessons we find and ideas like we do. <laughs> I do like that a lot. Does your wife, uh, is she also a math teacher or what does she do? Yeah, my wife is also a mathematics teacher too. Um, I'm actually very fortunate that I have readily access to a qualified colleague that I can basically plan with and, you know, bounce ideas off with and experiment on my children with on a 24-7 basis. <laughs> um, it's like you were saying about learning from children. Um, I've talked about this a lot and I'm sure a lot of teachers are in the same boat as me. Sometimes your own children are your best gateway into a lesson. You know, I think of an arts integration lesson um, that I wanted to do around a color by number. And I, I made that. one and I made one with my daughter. And it was like, my, my daughter said to me, daddy, it is so much more fun making your own than it would be just to do one. And that was just right out. That was it right there. I looked at my wife and said, that's the lesson we're going to give kids in remote learning. Yeah. We're going to show them how to draw a picture, make out lines and borders for where we want the colors. Um, and I just did simple things. Like I took two sheets of paper, laid them on top of each other and just traced it. So I like one, I could color and say, this is what I want it to look like. And then I could go back and say, okay, um, you know, this is the grade we're in. So what type of equation should we be doing? Okay. Well, we're, we're in grade three, grade four, we're doing multiplication and division. That's what I want to see. So we got to pick our colors, assign a number, and you got to write all these equations. And then I had teachers coming up to me who were in English, who were saying, could I not do this in English? Like, could I not think of like words that were like, for um, like definition words or words that were adjectives. So if it was an adjective, you color it blue. If it was a verb, you color it. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. And it just, it took off like all the different ways you could do this. But then again, given that personal element to the students, I'm not just going to go print a color by number off Google. I want you to make your own. The, the one that stuck out to me that you had created, I believe was a Pokemon. Was that the one? Yeah, that we, we did a Pikachu. Pikachu, Pikachu. And uh, now, did you already do this lesson? And have you had some students show you what they've created? Um, we've had a couple part here. We're a little slow on the part there. I've got a couple things out here that I haven't quite seen yet in total okay. from students. Um, we have sketch notes is out. We have some of the color by numbers. So I'm still in the process of finding what students are doing. I mean, I got to be honest with you. We have some students who have made wonderful things. They hold it up to the classroom like this is what we made in my wife's class. 
and we're still troubleshooting to get the students to post it properly to the yeah. Google Classroom because yeah. they're adding it like in the stream and everything. And there's my poor wife in the background, like, no, no, that's not where we want it. You just have to <laughs> click this link on the assignment. And so we're still a little bit not quite there yet for collecting student exemplars in the current normal that we're working in. It's so true. I mean, that that is definitely half the battle is getting students. You know, I find myself on a daily basis. You know, when you're done, turn it in. Hit the turn in button. <laughs> um, so we have, yeah, and and I have actually been using, uh, and I started using this, and and uh, Ray Hewitt actually really got me hooked on Seesaw because she had been talking um, so much about it and and how much she loved it, and so I decided to give it a try. Fortunately, I decided to give it a try. It was probably in January. It was probably around the same time that you and I were corresponding about Mastery Chat, and. I will say that what I what I do love about that platform is it gives kids the opportunity to show their work in multiple ways. So they can upload a picture and do a voiceover. They can do a quick video and obviously demonstrate it. Uh, they can there's a like a sketch note pad that they can do something on. So there's a lot of of different ways, and I find that you know depending on the day that they're having or depending on like I leave it up. I most of the time I leave it up to them how they want to mm -hmm. show their work and. Um, they they just like that kind of creative freedom as well. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I love the arts integration um, is because, you know, it can start with something simple as, you know, the kids start doing songs and dances and they want to take videos of each other. But then video comes into play. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, can't we do more with the video? And this is kind of going into more of a cross-curricular integration. And some of the students are like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you guys made this awesome video showing me how you would break apart a number if you had to do borrowing. So just doing like subtraction or division. Couldn't we stop motion animate this? And like use modeling clay and how we're breaking things apart and you know maybe have some fun like bring some like Batman characters coming in and eating the pieces as we take them away. <laughs> and then the kids are taken away with it. Um, students who were doing dances and songs, like we have green screens. Let's get doing count. Yeah. Let's do something to the green screen background. And then before you know it, I have a student who's saying, well, you know, like uh, this is in middle school. I play pool with my dad and I like it. And before you know it, like I have him coding a pool table to show how the angles will work. Well, if it wow. went in at this angle, it would go at that angle. So now all of a sudden we've opened up these new realms where it's like, okay, so we have students who want to do animations. We have students who want to do coding. So in the arts integration, one of the things I really love are fractals, like the Sierpinski triangle, um, Hotchett Snowflake, students making up their own with a transformative rule. But then kids are like saying, okay, how do I draw a Sierpinski triangle? And then I see them on scratch and they're working out, well, this is the first triangle. Now I have to coat the midpoints and I have to do a transformation and make it smaller. And then you're starting to like, I guess it's like you were saying that formative area where I'm thinking to myself, you know, we talked about all these transformations and definitions like congruency and similarity, the coordinate grid. This student just used coding to draw me the first four iterations of a Serbinsky triangle. Like, I'm sorry, he knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, he may, like yeah. there may be a state test where it's like, okay, but those results aren't agreeing. But I think most educators agree that um, what we learn in the classroom versus doing a state exam, like these are two different metrics. They're two completely different things. Um, but like, you know, something is happening here when you watch that, that he has picked up something and learned something. And then, of course, I find out from our, C um, our CWT teachers, you know, or our teaching in technology, they're like, yeah, your kid has drawn all these like weird shapes in our animation class that he showed. And, and uh, it looks really cool. And I'll be honest with you, I've never heard of a fractal before. And 
um, do you have anything on this that you could share? And I'm like, I would love to, but in the same sense, like, what can we, and then all of a sudden that collaboration element started coming up where it's like, can I book some computer time? Or if I wanted to do this, could you do this with the kids? And then before you know it, we built this amazing project together. And like, we're excited because we're both marking it together with our different outcomes. And the kids are excited because they're like, I went home and told my mom, I did one project and I got four different credits on it. Four different <laughs> teachers marked it and gave me a mark. And That's it was really just like, all about. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I try, you know, my partner teacher and I both try to really emphasize to the students and uh, you know, we, we, we come up with projects that we can, they can do elements of the project in with both of us. And they, they, sometimes it's, they are dumbfounded by it. They're like, well, wait, well, wait a minute. We, we started researching this topic in science. And then my partner who does language arts, social studies is yes. And now we're going to, you know, you're going to uh, write an essay, um, you know, a persuasive essay with your point of view on all the research that you did in science class, because this is how it all ties in. And they're like, wow, you know, and then we do a debate about it. So uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. I, I, I do, you know, what you were talking about with stop animation. I mean, just in general, tying anything into, I want to call it pop culture, but, you know, pop culture and anything that is, is relevant to these kids also is what really gets them excited. I, I had a video that I wanted to put together. Well, I, let's put it this way. I called it a video. My seventh grader, I said, listen, I want you to help me uh, put together a video with music. I have pictures that the, the kids are sending me, um, and I want to put it together in a video. And he said, you mean you want to put it together in a slideshow with music? And I said, okay, if that's what you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. And I said, you know, would you be able to help me with this? I, I mean, look, this would have taken me. I could have done it. I have done things like this before. But it would have taken me a good couple hours to get it all together. He had this thing together. I'm not joking. In, in 15 minutes, if that. <laughs> well, uh, like, honestly, for me, like, that's one of the most exciting things I think about our profession. Like, what are we really talking about? I mean, I'm speaking from my own personal opinion. But when we think of remote learning, I've always gone from the adage that students can get curriculum anywhere. I mean, I can go onto the internet right now. I've got 40 sites where I can get free worksheets, um, free practice tests, go onto YouTube, millions of videos that will show you, you know, and I have a collection of 50 that will show this is how we do these topics. But it's like, so like, what's really important here is, you know, it's that, that human element. It's our relationships, our interactions, or, you know, we talk about valuable resources. You know, you said yourself, it's our time. So being yeah. able to like use that type of collaboration that says, because you sat down and worked with me, like that's the most, like you didn't just teach me how to do something that I can do it on my own, but you gave me back. I remember this language I used with one student. You gave me an extra half hour I get to read with my daughter tonight because you showed me how to do this instead of letting me figure it out myself. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we have Shannon that says, thank you for helping other educators feel like they are not alone. I find it a true blessing because it gives me so many ideas and also makes me feel like uh, I going on a productive path. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, I love about this group and about all the people that we connect with and all the people that we have as guests on our daily drop in is that you, you it's such a valuable resource. And, you know, um, to, to the better teams uh, credit, they started this right out of the gate when when everybody started to go to remote learning. And uh, I myself find it's been a, I, I love tuning in and getting so many ideas from so many different educators who come from all different backgrounds. 
Uh, and that's what you know I think is great. And even though you and I are math teachers, like you said, we are talking about how you can integrate this really with any with any subject matter. It doesn't have to be math. Well, and not only that, but I think it really opens up the streams. You know, this is something I wasn't always there. Like uh, my fault of being an earlier teacher and trying to find myself as who I was to be, who I was serving and who I wanted to be as a teacher. Yep. But when you start opening these up, you really get kids to this idea that math is so many different things. I mean, our strands are calculations. We have calculus, algebra, we have geometry, we have patterns and shapes, you know, which are within geometry. But there's mm -hmm. all these different things, algorithms, and everyone's going to have something in math that they are good at, that they can be successful yeah. with. So it's kind of, it, it takes away that stigma from, well, I'm not good at math, Mr. Hamilton. Okay, pause, pause, pause. Like, you're being way too general. Like the, that, that's like me coming out and saying, I'm not good at life. I mean, what do you mean? Right. Like that's, I mean, we got to talk about this more. It's like, well, I really struggle with like, you know, using bed mass. And then I get to come back and say, but you know what you do amazing in measurement. Oh yeah. But you have shapes and pictures. Okay. So you're a visual mathematician. Yeah. So you're an amazing visual mathematician. But then we get the pause and say, so how do we connect visuals to bed mass? Mm -hmm. How do you start imagining a picture behind that equation that gets you thinking brackets, arrays, adding and minusing and all that? And I, I don't know, like maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But to me, that's the exciting part is that it's the process. It's all those little things that we tried to make it work because those are the little skills that you're going to transfer to everything else you do in your real life when you think about going to university or getting a job or, or you know, being a mom and being a dad and thinking, yeah. okay, I've got three kids that are five and under. How am I supposed to juggle this and make this work yeah. on the weekend? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I go through this with my own kids and, and based on their own strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, they get, sometimes they get frustrated very easily. And I said, you know, this, you're not going to be, uh, you know, some things are going to be harder for you than others. That's just uh, life. I admittedly am, you can ask my husband, I am not good with social studies. <laughs> Current events, fine. Anything beyond that is not my forte. And I readily admit that. I even admit that to my own students uh, because that's, you know, that's what I try to tell them. And I, and I use the same line. I said, just because you may not, math might not be your favorite subject. I don't need you to, it to be your favorite subject. Um, but you're, you all, you, they do underestimate themselves. They make this blanket statement. I'm not good in math. And I'm like, no, that's not true. There are, you know, certain math skills that you might like or gravitate to. I mean, I personally am definitely more of an algebra person than I am a geometry person, you know, and I think that that is uh, fairly common as well. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of takeaways. Let me just uh, look at the comments again. Oh, you, you do, you have Holly who says she that loves fractal patterns. So there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, and Andrea says, you know, the, the students need to learn how all the subjects are connected. Um, and that's something, you know, it's very hard to, you know, when we get wrapped up in the day to day, um, it's sometimes you, you tend to lose sight of that. So again, if possible to use this time to give examples of that. And like you said, especially with arts integration, that's, that's huge. Well, and it's, I think it's also working with a model of access points that we were saying before, even if we tie in it to equity. You know, when I look at things is sometimes I've had to look at the model and say, not every student's going to have a computer at home to do uh, a coding virtual reality model for me or augmented reality like I'd like. Not all students are going to have access to the tools that they could build a model out of toothpicks and stuff. But then I start looking online and I'm watching um, Cake Boss with my family, which I absolutely love. 
Um, it's all my to-do list in life one day that I have to get to this guy's cake shop and try some of his food. But then I looked and said, I'm going to make Rice Krispie treats and I'm going to sh- put them out in uh, um, cookie sheets. Mm-hmm. Now I have these big rectangles. I'm doing this on the weekend with my kids as a sample lesson. I've never done this before. Now we're going to build a house. So we're actually going to take these rectangles and cut the things we want. And now we have the leftover pieces. Can we reshape them? But then I start thinking like, this is amazing because we're doing construction. We're talking angles. We're looking at shapes. We're thinking about volume, all these different things. And you know what? Not every family may have this, but I know for a fact as a teacher, if I can reach out and talk to families, like I think to myself as a teacher, I can't go out and buy $50 manipulative kits for each family. But you know what? If we have a budget and we need to support people, I can go buy a giant box of Rice Krispies and a bag of marshmallows and get a recipe using a microwave that says, this is how we do it. That's that's brilliant. I love that idea. Now I'm hungry for Rice Krispie treats as well because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had breakfast. Um, I do hope that you will post uh, what you create this weekend on Twitter because now I'll be looking for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, Jared, it was it was great to have you on. Do you have any final thoughts or inspirations for us? We've gotten a lot of great ideas today. You know, I think the big thing for me is that idea I come back into where you think about time. The best learning for me that I found from remote learning, and this is my personal experience in talking to other families, is like we're doing this together. This is family learning. Like I actually got to sit down with my daughter and do something. So we we kind of know what the negatives are of where we are now, but you know, I always feel like there's a positive behind that negative. You can always find some shiny ball of light that you can focus on. And one of the reasons I really appreciate these creative um, teachings or connecting things is it's that gift of time. When we look at a student-centered project and we put all these different elements into it and really let the student work hard on it, it's kind of like saying, you did all this work, you explored all these wonderful content competencies, you got all these wonderful grades, and guess what? You don't need to do these extra things. I gave you, I allowed you to do something that you loved and were passionate about. And I gave you back four hours in your life that you can go learn how to be a ballet dancer if that's your passion, or play video games online with your best friends, um, or go out and help your dad. Or, or I don't know, maybe you're in a situation where you say, I, I hear this sometimes, like, Mr. Hampton, I can't do the homework. Like, I can work really hard at school, but I can't do anything at home because I have all these things that I help out with my mom and dad. And then you give that back to them. And you think like, this is a model where everyone, you know, like, I almost feel like you, you haven't, I'm overgeneralizing a bit, but like, you've kind of tried to level the playing field a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you've given more opportunities for students to do their learning, to show what they can do, to gain a skill and just to have fun with it. Yeah. Well, that's a big thing to have fun with it and to stay engaged and, you know, to stay with you for the next, however many weeks we're, we're going to be doing this. So that's a, that's a great point. So. Once again, we, we thank you for your time. We thank you for, I know it's like, again, it's very early for you in uh, in Canada. So I appreciate, the sun looks like it's coming up a little bit more. Yeah, if you look out the window, you can tell the sun is almost up. Uh, uh, sun is not up here. It is raining today in New Jersey again, but the weekend looks good. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, again, if you're listening to this daily drop-in on YouTube or you're listening to a replay somewhere, please join our private Facebook group. We'd love to have you as part of our morning discussion. It's Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Central Time, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard, if you're with me, uh, on the East Coast. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you to everybody who joined in this morning and and chimed in the discussion points. I think you gave everybody some really, really great ideas, no matter 
what subject area uh, they are coming from. And uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me today. This is a lot of fun. Good, good. Everybody have a great day. Bye-bye.